call the people, tell them I'm a friend and run now. It's like everybody in here is family. So as I am Wanna say welcome, welcome, welcome to the night of the DJ Kevin Stew. Yeah, yeah. Big up to the affiliates all over. NIE Radio. The Foundation Radio Network, ClintonLindsay.com, PEMGTV.com. Welcome to those on Facebook Live. How you doing? Big up to those, of course, on TuneIn Radio, The Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew, and right here at the home of The Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew, KevinStew.com. Glad to have you. Couldn't do it without you. You have my word. I wouldn't even try. This is where we meet up to have acceptance through enlightenment. Or at least try to. Invite y'all to jump into the stew pot. If you want to know what the stew pot is, it's what others call a chat room. But because it's fancy over here, we call it the stew pot. It's where we keep things interactive and bubbling. Come on in, you don't have to register for anything, it's free. You don't need to sign up for anything, you can remain anonymous or you can put your name so I know who it is that I'm interacting with. Of course, you can call, text, WhatsApp, Telegram, 773-789-STEW. That's 773-789-7839. Yeah, let's see if we can build a perfect world. Is there any such thing? I'm sure somewhere, somehow, some way we can create a perfect world. That little utopia in our own backyard, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so tonight, this week being Emancipence Week in Jamaica, and for those of you raising your eyebrows because you've never heard such a word, it is a combination of independence and emancipation. So, Emancipation Day started the week this year. And um, that was Sunday, the first, well, started the month. And this weekend is Independence. Jamaica celebrates independence, the 59th year of independence. So, uh, I figured, you know what? I haven't touched on anything relating to that this week. Well, not directly. Because, of course, you know, we we have been talking about the Rodney Reed case. So that speaks to um, a sense of freedom and, and, and figuring out what freedom is and working towards getting there. Hey, 985, welcome. And um, so tonight... We're asking the question, what is freedom? And, of course, you know, I I went around, did some research, found some information here and there. And according to welldoing.org, what they say is, we all want freedom, but we're not always so sure about what it is or how to attain it. And this is very true. If freedom were merely a matter of not being in a prison cell, then the vast majority of us should be free, right? Sounds logical. But we often find ourselves imprisoned by 
internal anxieties, worries, habits, compulsions, fears, depression, addictions, and false assumptions. The false assumptions are the ones that, ooh, 1002, how you doing? Um, equally, you could imprison someone like Socrates or Bothius, Thomas More, Mahatma Gandhi or Nelson Mandela, and they would be in many ways freer than their captors or jailers. True freedom is primarily a state of mind. And I think that's the thing that, that blows a lot of people's mind. <laughs> Just the concept that true freedom is a state of mind. And typically, when, when, when people are thinking along that way, that, that line of thinking, they would say, you know what? I'm free because my mind is, is free to think as I am. So if I am free and I think I am free, then I am free no matter what it is that I am going through, no matter what it is that anybody else says. So freedom is a state of mind. Cool. All right. So. And let me go ahead and, and, and put the website here on Facebook for everybody to get it. Those of you who don't know, welcome to the Facebookers. All right. Use up the link. Come on over to kevinstew.com. And um, let's hang out. Jump, jump into the stew pot and, and, and add some seasoning. Yeah? So, um, philosophers and theologians have had much to say about the nature of freedom and the mind over millennia. And, but the discipline of psychology as we know it is relatively new. Psychology, simply put, is the study of the mind in, um, in order to study the, and understand the mind. We actually need to observe it kind of interesting to observe the mind right so now you're in order to observe the mind you have to observe actions because you don't physically see the mind we see how it works by watching what it does the essential factor is the observing self the consciousness which is doing the watching if we ignore the observing self as psychology has largely done until recently then we may have been looking at the mind from the wrong perspective. Like trying to understand it by thinking about it rather than observing it. Which, you know, would be really wrong. So, what do a few notable psychologists have to say about freedom? What do you guys consider freedom to be? Hey, Dora, how are you doing? Um, big ups to you guys down in, in Brazil. Uh, Radio Cristal, much love to you guys. I truly, truly, truly appreciate love you. So, William James, who lived from 1842 to 1910, an American physician, psychologist, and philosopher, 
whose influential work, The Principles of Psychology, is the foundation for modern psychology. Three key themes of James's, James's work related to attention, determinism, and spirituality. In relation to attention, he identified its importance long before the modern interest in contemplative neuroscience as a prerequisite for understanding oneself and leading a healthy life. James' attitude to determinism was what he called soft determinism, abhorring the later limited and fatalistic thinking, which subsequently became widespread. He believed we have the scope to freely choose our actions, attitudes, and way of being in the world. There may be strong biological and environmental influences on our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors beyond our control, but that doesn't define us. To James, the ultimate freedom tied with spirituality. The ultimate freedom, according to James, is knowing God or the highest and selflessly, selflessly following its will. Sigmund Freud, who lived from 1856 to 1939, his views was, well, <laughs> let's take a look. Freud's popularization of psychoanalysis provided our image of the archetypical psychiatrist. He took a gloomy, misanthropic view of humanity, perhaps because he formed his theories almost exclusively from a relatively small number of desperately miserable and neurotic people. Freud's influential focus on psychopathy or psychopathology may be the chief reason why for the following centuries psychology almost exclusively focused on abnormality and mental illness rather than positive psychology and well-being which I, I, I think even carries over till today for a lot of people that little bit of influence Freud never aimed high as far as therapeutic outcomes were concerned and was openly hostile to religion and dismissive of religious experience. He was a hard determinist of the view that our actions and decisions are essentially predetermined by our bi biology. Upbringing and unconscious process and because we are aware of them, we don't get to choose them, nor are they under our control. In this view, free will is an illusion. So basically, Freud was saying, hey, listen, things are predetermined. And whatever it is that we are living, and however it is that we are living, has been predetermined, and we're just falling into place. Whatever it, you know, if, 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 we, are, if we say we choose to do something, then that thing has already 
was already determined that we we're going to do it. So we just fell into what was supposed to happen. So that was that was Floyd Freud's thinking. Carl Jung or Carl Jung as it is pronounced um was a Swiss psychologist who lived from 1875 to 1961 and was originally a close associate of Freud but went a very different direction to Freud particularly to Freud particularly in relation to his views on the unconscious religion and free will he was a deeply spiritual man in part inspired by his familiarity with the world's great mythologies and wisdom traditions, but also because of his deeply introspective and contemplative learnings. To Jung, we are all connected, not just by our physical proximity to each other, but also through a collective unconscious. This is like a universal mind, which, for the most part, we hardly know exists as we go about our distracted day-to-day existence. The personal transformation from an isolated individual to a free, universal, enlightened being, Jung likens to a kind of spiritual alchemy. Hence, self-reflection was something that Jung wholeheartedly embraced, but Freud vigorously avoided. Can you imagine what their relationship was like, them being close? For Jung, personal growth was about awakening to self-knowledge and self-awareness. He believed in free will and viewed a hard determinism as merely a mode of thought. If we don't connect with the core of our being and realize that it is conscious with with universal being, then we will be ruled by instinct, cause and effect, as described by Freud. This stamps as being this stamps Jung as being quite distinct from Freud and, and, and the nihilism associated with many proponents of existentialism. So basically he was saying, you know, let's not be ruled by just instinct and react to cause and effect. Don't let that be what, 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 what drives us, our conditions, our state of being, our mindset. Go deeper than that. Be aware of self and I'm even taking it a step further to say, go ahead and recognize, recognize that you can have choice. And choice is intentional. But then again, I'm no psychologist. I'm just a DJ. Now, Skinner, B.F. Skinner or Boris Frederick Skinner, lived from 1904 to 1990 and he was a an american psychologist largely responsible for popularizing behaviorism and the experimental approach to understanding human behavior 
laboratory-based experiments are useful, but they are inherently artificial and limited by the things you can do or choose to, the things you can measure and the things you can control. Skinner's view of behaviorism is strongly deterministic. He saw free will, emotion, and motivation as illusory covers for the real causes of human behavior, the effect of environment and conditioning of our biology. Thus, Skinner's view was that you could condition or train human beings like animals to think or do what you want. Not far from the truth, now is it? You can reinforce some behaviors and punish others, thus conditioning the brain and biology to be the way it is. The person who commits a crime has no real choice because they are propelled to it by environmental circumstances and personal history, making breaking the law, for some people, natural and inevitable. For others... Being law-abiding is just as natural because of their environment and upbringing. Environment clearly has significant influence on us, and the, science of, the sciences of neuroplasticity and epigenetic, epigenetics give further credence to that view. But there's a risk in taking one factor to be all there is. What works against us can also work for us. Although environment and conditioning do play a major role in determining our makeup and behavior, we are not inevitably prisoners of them. Because we can choose environments. We can choose behaviors. We can have them change the way our brains and genes express themselves. Mind-blowing, isn't it? So, the more psychologists look into how our minds operate, the more we expand our way of thinking about what freedom is. Viktor Frankl, who was an Austrian psychiatrist, lived from 1905 to 1977. And his views were deeply influenced by real-life experiences in Nazi concentration camps. There, he had little or no control over his external circumstances, but this drove him to discover a deep sense of self-reliance. It brought him to view uh, a deeper sense of insight and meaning, which profoundly changed the way Frankl experienced his ordeal. It was not that the conditions of the camp changed, but that paradoxically he found freedom from the misery by transcending it, by finding meaning within it, by, and by embracing the opposite to the hatred and bitterness which would have been expected. Freedom, to Frankl, was not an external affair, but an internal one, based on choosing the attitude to any event. This is radically non-determinist. Frankl, when asked to comment on, on Skinner's view, said, Man does not cease to be an animal, but at the same time, he is infinitely more than an animal. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, 
to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. An important part of the ability to choose and transcend is objective awareness, which Frankl likens to a space between stimulus and response, strongly echoing the emphasis on awareness. Previously, an unawareness previously exhorted by various wisdom traditions and later exhorted in mindfulness-based approaches. Someone who is still around with us today, Martin Seligman, who was born in 1942, is an American psychologist, very active in redirecting modern psychology's fascination with psychopathology and encouraging it to explore the realm of positive psychology. Siegelman's early animal research led him to discover what he called learned helplessness which arises when you consistently create painful situations from which the animal cannot escape. Soon, it ceases trying to escape even when the potential for escape is reintroduced. Siegelman drew parallels with people living with depression who, being unable to escape the thoughts and feelings they did not want to experience, learned a kind of helplessness and resignation. Rather than just mitigating the symptoms of psychological distress or making them with, with drugs, masking them, sorry, with drugs, Siegelman wanted to use the positive resources a person had within themselves, such as character and strengths and virtues. The conclusions he and co-researchers came to echoed what many wisdom traditions exhorted for millennia. Positive psychology is in part deterministic in that happiness is part determined by genetics and environment. But it also acknowledges the importance of free will for it is within our ability to choose what characteristics and resources we cultivate. Pessimism pe Pessimism Pessimism <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the opposite of optimism. <laughs> okay, so, um, all right, I'm, I'm done. Pessimism um, leads to one direction of optimism in another. Siegelman's view on choosing the beliefs we focus on in times of adversity strongly aligned with Frankel's. People whose disposition and happiness or disposition to happiness is primarily eudaimonic, being happiness as, as meaning, tend to be far happier and more resilient to stress and disappointment. I'll say this as 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 it relates to Siegel's thoughts. Um I was speaking with uh, a friend recently and I was asked you know how how am I doing and I said you know I'm a little bit bothered today but I'm smiling through it and they asked me why and I said because when you smile it changes how you perceive things you intentionally put on a smile which 
lets you think about the situation that you're in and the mood that you're experiencing at this given moment. And if you can smile through that situation and it's not such a great situation for you, then you can smile through others. And if you've been through situations before, which you have, and gotten to this point, then you maintain a 100% success rate. So if you can smile through it now, you maintain a 100% success rate with a smile. And saying it made me smile even more. (laughs) So you go figure. Again, it's in the mind, right? So I'm I'm well aligned with with what Siegel was saying. All right, so I got one more for you before I take a break and and say good goodbye to Facebook Live. Zabat Zin, John Zabat, uh, sorry, John Kabat Zin, who was born in 1944, is a molecular biologist, not a psychologist, but. Through his long-standing passion for teaching and researching mindfulness, he has had a profound effect on the modern understanding and practice of psychology. He developed a deep interest in Buddhism and mindfulness meditation and took what he learned into the community. Kabat-Zinn's work attracted significant attention from a group of prominent psychologists and researchers John Teasdale, uh, Zindel Siegel, and Mark Williams, who were looking for new strategies to help with escalating rates of chronic relapsing depression. They developed mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, MBCT, and found extremely promising results which have been consistently confirmed in many studies since then. Mindful, mindfulness-based approaches are revolutionizing or psychotherapy with the first and most central point being the cultivation of awareness without awareness we are essentially an automation without understanding and with no conscious will of our own a state called automatic pilot in such a state The hard determinism of Freud and Skinner might be a fair description of the human condition. Dissatisfaction, regret, addiction, and fear essentially come from ignoring the present and living in an imaginary future of relived past or relived past. In our restless, unmindful search for happiness, we constantly look for things outside ourselves. But don't we often do, though? What we find is impermanence and constantly missing the bedrock of our being to become a prisoner of the mind and its contents. We tend to identify ourselves with passing thoughts and feelings and take them as facts. Liberation from suffering and distress therefore lies in our ability to rest in simple, non-judgmental, compassionate awareness and not to be so moved by transient mental or sensory experiences. If we cultivate awareness and non-attachment to the mind and its contents, then we have the opportunity to live more fully and authentically and without the same level of hindrance from our moods, compulsions, desires, and addictions. 
Developing things like self-awareness, self-actualization, non-attachment, and acknowledging a deeper observing self are ways to avoid or to extricate ourselves from the mental traps we unwittingly stumble into. The bottom line is, we do not have to be trapped by the mind. If we train and use it well, the mind resembles a faithful servant rather than a tyrannic, tyrannic, uh, tyrannical master. That, however, requires some wisdom, patience, perseverance, careful guidance, courage, and more than a little self-compassion. This according to wellbeing.com. Sorry, well, welldoing.org. And so m many parts of this, especially this, this, this last section here by um, John Kabat-Zinn and, and also from Martin Siegelman, um, Seligman, I personally resonate with, or it resonates with me. Because in this real talk journey and within the last five years, I have been on a personal journey to self-awareness. And I have learned certain things which I guess could only be taught to me by me. But when looking at things like this, this information here, when, when reading psychologists' information and, and studies, when doing social psychology and looking at how the, the, the mind works in a social setting, how we react with and to each other, I have learned <laughs> more and more that the ability to choose and the ability to find happiness and freedom and to maintain control is something that many of us seem to leave to the external. We really do. We depend on social media. We depend on friends, family, partners to bring us this level of, to this level of happiness. It's like... I grew up in church hearing people come to church saying, well, you know, I, I have really come to get a blessing today. So what happened all the other days when you were not in church? You, you were not blessed? And how is it? Why is it that you say you are a believer, but you're coming to this place to get a blessing? Why didn't you bring that blessing with you? So it's, it's in, within that mindset that we pretty much live. Not just those that go to church, Christians, Catholics, whatever religion you ascribe to. You know, it, 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 not just them, but people on a whole. People talk about finding their other half and going out and finding happiness and finding, finding, finding versus realizing because it is within us. 
how is it that you're going to find your better half, find the one that completes you? You're a whole being. You're already complete. Now, if you, want, if you find someone that complements you, that's different. But you're a whole being. Find what is within you and recognize your completion. We're going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more. It's real talk. We're looking at what freedom is. As we go through this Emancipence Week, recognizing um, Jamaica, Jamaica's independence, Jamaica's um, emancipation. And hopefully, at least one person can recognize tonight that they are free. And find for them what that freedom means. We'll be back after these few messages. People on Facebook Live, use the link that is pinned in the comment section. Come on over to KevinStew.com. Until next time, um, Saturday. And we'll do Saturday, Stew. Deuces. We'll be right back after these messages. Pulse Media Group, innovative streaming and recording, has done it again. A new way to get your business in full view of your neighborhood consumer through AdShare TV. It's available in your neighborhood today. It's easy. Just call us, 754-999-6020. Become a host today and place a TV monitor in a strategic location so it's easy to see. Get a one-minute video ad or longer that plays anywhere in our network. Can't be a host? No problem. For a few dollars, we'll run your 30-second video ad. A host can run announcement specials like buy one get one free or discount ads. Let's turn your flyers into a 30-second video with music or a voiceover. Or let us create and run your video ad with a spokesperson. Take advantage of our early enrollment discount. Join us today. Your ad will be seen at least 30 times per day in your AdShare TV neighborhood. It's easy. Just call us. 754-999-6020. AdShare TV. Part of Pulse Media Group. It takes an entire village to raise a child. Hello, I'm Paul Campbell, here to talk about Palace. Peace and Love Academic Scholarship. This nonprofit group supports students facing serious obstacles from entering or continuing their studies, not because the grades are failing, but due to the lack of financial support. Over the past eight years, Palace has awarded 600 scholarships valued at approximately 50.3 million Jamaican dollars or 415,000 US dollars. Together, we must build a better future for our children. Please visit www.palace1.org and make your donation to brighten the future of a deserving child. Palace Preserving young minds for posterity. 
Making great music is one thing, sharing it with the world, that's another. Let the professionals at Reggae Global Entertainment help you to another level. Specializing in artist management, booking, public relations and marketing, and promotion. Reggae Global Entertainment can help you with event planning, websites, photography, and video production, press releases, legal services, and graphic design. They can even help you with music production so you can get the sound that you want every time. Call Reggae Global Entertainment at 954-804-8199. That's 804-8199. Or visit them online at reggaeglobalentertainment.com. Yes, my people. Check out I Red Funks on Reggae Global Radio. Every Saturday at 8 p.m. with Kev Stew, where I'll give you a pre-life. Brand new. Good for you. Kick it like a ball if you don't see a dance song. You hear that? I'm representing for DJ Kevin's Stew, working on the night shift, the night shift radio show. Won't go changing like the weather, just to please the devil never. Will DJ Kevin's Stew sell his soul? That's a word and honor. It's Christine to representing word and honor. Celestia DJ Kevin's Stew. The sound of GAE welcoming us back from the break. A track called A New Haiti. Her tribute to Haiti. Looking for that free world. I guess it's easier to think about and talk about than to actually uh, see and live in, right? Oh, before I thank my current segment sponsor, I do want to thank my previous segment sponsor, Pulsey Media Group, for innovative... Uh, sorry. <laughs> Contact Pulsey Media for innovative streaming and recording solutions when being in a moment is priceless. They are your one-stop shop. They take care of photography, videography... Advertising, streaming, and so much more. They take, uh, they can do for you what you see right here on KevinStew.com and so much more. You have a church service, a funeral, a wedding, a seminar, a party, and you want to stream it live? Get them a call. The number is actually seven five four nine 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 one one four zero. Brand new number. But the email remains the same, paulcmg.com. Thank you to my current segment sponsor, Althea and her healing heavenly hands. Althea SU is a licensed massage therapist operating out of Broad County, North Miami-Dade and South Palm Beach counties. She comes to you, brings her table, her oils and over 20 years massage therapy experience. Give her a call, send her an email, phone number 954-655-9000, email thealater, T-H-E-A-L-A-T-E-R at att.net. Tell her DJ Kevin Stew sent sent you. One of the things that she requests outside of paying her is that you get off her table and go sleep somewhere else when she's done. In a bright 
For those of you who just joined, we're looking at what freedom is. And that's the question. What is freedom? In the background, the song of GAE, a track called A Free, not A Free World, A New Haiti. <laughs> Alex Lickerman, Dr. Alex Lickerman, did a little article on psychology today a few years ago, and it is titled The True Meaning of Freedom, saying we may not have free will, but we can still act freely, sort of. Okay. So, sort of? What do you mean? All right, so let's, let's see. Let's get into this a little bit. Now, America is a symbol of freedom all over the world. Enjoying it as, as it does uh, freedom of speech, <laughs> somewhat. Freedom of religion, f- freedom of the press. Well, I can tell you. Considering that this article was written a few years ago, I'm not too sure the same would be said about today. Considering just, what, two weeks ago, I did a a healthy love segment that was blocked on one of the platforms. And it was blocked because they said I violated some WHO policies on information being released or, or the other. Only for this week. The, double, the CDC put out an article with some of the very same information that I was talking about. And I took it even a step further because I added to my broadcast with suggestions to boost, to help boost immunity naturally. I'm not saying that I was offering suggestions to um, cure anybody from any virus. But I digress. Our ancestors prized these political freedoms so much that many of them were willing to die defending them. And though many of us are often accused today of taking them for granted, which many of us do, we continue to see people rising up to fight for them when when they're threatened, when someone else's freedoms are threatened too. And we we saw that, uh, or we've seen that, in more recent times with with like the George Floyd situation and with Rodney Reed and Julius Jones where many of us are coming to aid in the fight for their freedom from incarceration wrongful incarceration I might add now these freedoms of course are not absolute Um, I can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater when I know no fire exists. To cite a famous example of the limitations imposed on free speech. Nor can I threaten to detonate an imaginary bomb on a plane. Even writing that phrase in a post is likely to attract the attention of the Office of Homeland Security. That's because Big Brother is always watching. Nor, to paraphrase another famous line, can I swing my fist into the the space 
your nose happens to occupy. <laughs> I love that. Um, to state the obvious, we're all free within limits. So, it has always been, and so in a civil society, must it always be. Mostly, we do not notice these limitations because we've been programmed to not even think about being released from them, for the most part. And even when someone does want to punch someone else's nose, the threat of punishment isn't the only thing that stops them. It's also the sense that we shouldn't impinge on someone else's right not to leave their nose punched, not to have their nose punched. And I don't know how many people actually think about that. (laughs) You know, um, you, you do something to someone and you get punched in the face for it. I don't think the person doing the punching is thinking, boy, you know, you have the right to not get punched. At that point, I really believe they're thinking, you deserve to get punched. Political freedom, however, isn't the only realm in which freedom appears to be greater than it is. It turns out that our freedom to make even the simplest choices, whether to put on brown or blue pants, whatever it may be, may not just be more limited than we think. It may not exist at all. As research in neuroscience progresses, it's steadily reinterpreting past ideas from other disciplines, notably both psychology and philosophy, and quickly uh, um, subsuming them. Freud's conception of the unconscious mind has turned out to have an entirely neurological basis, for example, and though he got many of his details wrong... We now know that the greatest proportion of our thinking does indeed go on beneath our conscious awareness, which it turns out is quite lucky for us. As Daniel Kahneman Kahneman, um, points out in his fascinating book, Thinking Fast and Slow, we need what he calls System 1, the fast unconscious thinker, to survive at all. If we, if we had to consciously attend to all the things we need to do simply to make it out of bed in the morning, we'd not only never get anything done, we'd continually be exhausted. Conscious reasoning, the so-called executive function of the brain, is extremely tiring. But as Kahneman also argues system two the part of our minds we identify as us is powerfully influenced by the workings of system one if we take the time we can free ourselves from some of from some of them but not all and certainly not all the time the difficult truth is that we are not free even from our unconscious selves of course We've long known this, long before the concepts of System 1 and System 2 were ever imagined. The intellect has ever been pitted against the emotions. Our notion of what we should do, to offer just one example, often warring with and losing to what we want to do. But for the age-old question of free will, 
It's even worse than that. It looks as if the answer is that we don't actually have it. When you look around at what we do sometimes, we especially now, the, 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 the concept of free will seems to be taken away. Here it is, we are often told that if we don't have this new vaccine, we can't do certain things. We can't travel certain places, we can't socialize in certain groups, we can't even go to work in some cases. So, where is free will at this point? So, are we actually free? I almost said still free. Are we actually free? Because the mere fact that something like this can be imposed on us means then that we were not always free because nothing has changed in our situation where we are. If it's just a matter of putting out a mandate, then nobody fought for it. They just said, this is what we have to do. And now the fight is against it. So how free are we? Studies now show that the impulse to take the most basic of actions, the movement of a finger, for example, originate in the brain at least a full second before we're consciously aware of our desire to move it. It appears that the unconscious mind, functioning with an un understanding uh, bereft of knowledge, of, of language, sorry, may control far more of our conscious decision-making than we ever imagined, if not all of it. Philosophers and scientists are speaking out against these results. Not so much to deny them, but to try instead to salvage the notion of free will by redefining it. And though there's a thought that these efforts will ultimately fail, there exists good reason to want them to succeed. Studies also show that when we lose our belief in, our, in free will, our motivation to act diminishes as well. However, the question, and, and it does, before I move on, it does. Because let's take, for example, the story of the elephant that is held in place, the fully grown elephant, held in place by just a cord tied around its foot and held in the, the other end of the cord tied to a stake put in the ground and just by the elephant this this majestic beast knowing that this little cord is tied around its foot it stays right where it is it's conditioning and when you wonder why it is that that can happen it's really because as a baby that is what was used to hold this elephant. It, it, could, it didn't have the strength to, to, to break that cord or to uproot that stake in the ground. And it grew with the mindset that it is bound. And it is incapable of breaking this bondage. Conditioning. So, the question the free will data should spark isn't merely whether we have free will. We should also be asking, what exactly do we mean by we? We, self-identity with the system too. 
our conscious minds, our sense of self, whatever you want to call it. But in doing so, are we sure we are placing the seat of ourselves in the right location? We behave as if system one is a hub, hobgoblin in our minds, separate from us, doing as it pleases, serving its own interests, which are often different from ours. But is this conception accurate? Most of what System 1 does is actually done for our benefit. It helps us avoid traffic accidents and other environmental hazards and recognize what others are feeling from the subtlest of facial expressions. On the other hand, it's often things we don't wish to be, like selfish and angry, perverse. Well, I'm not too sure we all don't wish to be those things, but, you know, not my article. The argument would even go further. However, that a view of the unconscious mind as an entity distinct from that which we conceive as us, quote-unquote, is flawed. It's certainly understandable that We'd think of it that way, given that studies have demonstrated our conscious minds are not able to control our unconscious ones. For example, we cannot simply decide to stop feeling sad or depressed or anything. Yet, well, hmm, can't we? Yet other avenues of influence over our unconscious minds do exist. We may not be able, in the heat of the moment, to stop ourselves from feeling angry, Different, of course, from stopping ourselves from acting on our anger. But we can, over time, ferret out the things that trigger our anger and diffuse their ability to anger us. Thus, we may, in fact, be able to forge a kind of indirect freedom. The freedom of our conscious minds to govern the basic direction of our lives by foregoing our unconscious selves into the people our conscious selves want them to be. Did I say foregoing? I said it's forging. Now, that way, though we may not consciously initiate our first, our fist to strike, our fist will latch out, lash out only when we agree they should. So it won't be as impulsive as it will be intentional. It's quite a leap to imagine this is possible to the degree that is being suggested. But it's tantalizing to imagine that the elephant of our unconscious mind that we're all riding and that may be in charge Um, needn't only be made to do our bidding against its will, but that we can also train it to what to to want what we want. Perhaps then the greatest potential for freedom lies in creating as much unity between our conscious and unconscious selves as possible. Doctor Lickerman's book is titled "The Undefeated Mind." You might want to check it out. Um, Alex Lickerman 
is a general internist and former director of primary care at University of Chicago and has been practicing Buddhist been a practicing Buddhist since 1989. The unconscious mind and the conscious mind being at war, <laughs> so to speak, when it comes to the recognition of freedom. Quite stimulating, quite interesting, isn't it? Well, I know for me it is. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into that stuff. <laughs> but what is freedom? It's recognizing that you do have choice. But is it also recognizing that some of the choice that we have or some of the choices we have are governed by external factors? Are restricted even. So then the question comes back Are we really free? We're gonna take another break, and when we come back, of course, we're gonna talk just a little bit more before we get into musical therapy. Call your friends, tell your friends, friends of your friends, friends of your enemies, enemies of your friends, and your enemies. It's the night shift to DJ Kevin Stew, real talk night. We're asking a question, what is freedom? We'll be back after these few messages. When being in the moment is priceless, consider the ability to share that moment. If you can video it, you can broadcast it. And Pulse E-Media Group has the tools you need. Weddings, birthdays, funerals, graduations, church services, parties, seminars, you name it, Pulse E-Media Group can provide you with a secure medium controlled by you to broadcast your event. Contact us at www.pulseemediagroup.com for more information. Pulse E-Media Group, when being in the moment is priceless. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry... I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, in math, I learned that I'm ugly and I useless. I'm and in gym, in biology, I learned that I'm pathetic that I'm and a joke. And in history, in I learned school, that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have, I have no, friends. no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And, and at lunch, I learned that I sit I on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. In English, and in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today. The only thing I didn't learn today. The only thing I didn't learn is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. With this in mind and encouragement received during a South Florida media conference, The Church Links was birthed. The Church Links is an interdenominational worship service portal for churches, 
providing the tools to spread the word through technology in a cost-effective way. The Church Links www.dahchurchlinx.com Your links to worship and praise. Come on, smile! Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. Yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. Or maybe he's teething. Maybe it's just a phase. Maybe he has autism, and we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Yes, yes, yes. Akar Mantino, I'm making notes right now. You are locked in to DJ Kevin Stew on the night shift. The track is called Sweet Jamaica. The sound of Mr. Ian Sweetness. I want to say welcome back to the broadcast and uh, thank you to my segment sponsor, Reggae Global Entertainment. They act as your booking agents, tour management, handle your tour management, take care of your copyrights, publishing, trademarks, business registrations, legal service referrals, music production, marketing and promotion, and so much more. Give them a call, 954-804-8199. That's 954-804-8199. Or check them out online, reggaeglobalentertainment.com. Tell them DJ Kevin Stew sent you. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So, as we move towards the end of this edition of Real Talk, before getting into music ther- musical therapy, how do we go about being free in 2021? According to coachingonline.org, it seems human beings have long been on a quest in search of freedom since life began on this planet. It holds so much meaning. To be free psychologically is the most fundamental freedom. We do not realize is at the heart of all the freedoms we hold dear. And 
this is so true because it is only through our minds that we are controlled. So, what then is the meaning of freedom? The dictionary defines it as the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint, as well as absence of subjection to foreign domination or despot, despotic government, and the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Seemingly narrow definitions, and yet, if we read into them, we find the depth of what we're discussing to be psychological freedom. The freedoms we hold dear include the right to physical, religious expression, movement, due process of law, privacy, bodily autonomy, and the list goes on. The heart of all of them is the absence of subjection to foreign domination and despotic governing, governing of our mind or the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved with mind control or coercion. To be truly free is to be aware of having choices and the possibility of being free to act on those choices in a way that would serve ourselves and our community best. For us to act on them as we see fit, not for it to be dictated to us. By working on building your self-worth, to be able to say, I am enough, will give you the new perspective you need on the road to being psychologically free. Physical freedom is literally to be free of action, to move about, to speak, to do things, to work, to act on, an, on the physical world without hindrance or physical restraint. Being physically free in life is to be free to take action or not. There's that part of it. What we'd like to say or not. What we'll put into our bodies or not. The oversight to this is that if one's actions infringe on another person's physical freedom, there's a cost to that, or even a punishment. Our history is filled with who lost their physical freedom to choose the life they wanted because of slavery, human trafficking, or oppression. To this day, it is a reminder how important being physically free is to us. Are we there? Mental freedom is the ability to choose to detach from external labels, to make choices for oneself. Even the ability to choose our thoughts and beliefs through gathering information from all sides of a discussion. We all get stuck with negative thoughts that might have occurred to us during tough situations. We could choose to hold on to those negative thoughts, which will turn them into beliefs if thoughts if thought long enough, it then becomes a state of mind and eventually part of our personality over time. We're now a slave to rigid thinking and not mentally free. Also, if our choices are made for us and we blindly follow along, only giving our attention to those that say they're taking care of us without gaining the knowledge of all sides for ourselves, We've given up our freedom. Now, of course, 
we normally like to think and believe that those in leadership positions with various institutions have our best interests at, at heart, right? However, there have been many instances in history where our beliefs have been proven wrong as it relates to this. Giving up our intellectual capacity to research, ask questions, and share our knowledge in order to gauge what choices to make for ourselves can be catastrophic. Just following along with government or medical mandates that tell us they have all the knowledge and what they're saying is the right thing to do led to suffering slavery and holocausts in the not-so-distant past. Dr. Martin Luther King said, Sometimes you have to free a people from the prison of their own minds in order to save their lives. Where are we now? Are we in that free space? In a study by Stefan Lau and Annette Heimisch on functional freedom, published in NCBI, their concept described functional freedom as a capacity as a capacity people have that varies depending on certain conditions of a decision episode. It denotes an inner capability to consciously shape complex decisions according to one's own values and needs. The, with high functional freedom, the person is extensively rational. The person has high cognitive skills, good introspection of self-awareness, high self-control and self-regulatory skills. The process is extensively reflective with mental stimulation, considering the pros and contrasts with inner dialogue, reconstructing, reconstructing dispositions and rules. The structure is undetermined with many valuable options, unknown situations, conflicts between motives. With low functioning, functional freedom, the person is marginally rational with with psychiatric disorders, low cognitive and self-regulatory skills. The process is unconscious. The person acts by matching the problem, acts through habit, and has automated processing. The structure is determined with a dominant option, a low choice, a known situation. High functional freedom is decisions in decisions is when the decision proce procedure is highly reflective. Thus, when the decision structure is highly undetermined and the decider is highly rational and skilled. On the contrary, decisions functionally unfree are characterized by automated, fast, and easy decision-making that demands no further skills, rational requirements, or conscious values. Sheep. This doesn't mean the latter decisions are inferior to the freer decisions or are to be refrained from. At times, many everyday decisions are likely automated and subconscious for good reasons, like things like breathing, for example. Yeah, if that was left up to our conscious, then some of us would die. 
However, the fact that decisions with a potential for high functional freedom would perhaps be scarce in daily routine does not mean they're trivial decisions. Deliberate decision-making is a key component of, free, of functional freedom and typically associated with problematic decisions that bear highly important consequences for our lives. The word wanting or want communicates a sense of lack. If there's something you want intrinsically, it means you don't have it. Generally, being free from wanting is to be in a situation where you don't worry about things like where your next meal is coming from, or how you can clothe yourself and your children, or get a roof over your heads. If we put our attention on our lack of having something by saying and feeling we want much of what we want must always stay just beyond our reach the famous american artist norman rockwell depicted the four freedoms through art to be free from want is shown in the thanksgiving picture or i'll be home for christmas painting it shows a family celebrating at a dinner table filled with an with abundance of food to share, well-clothed and happy faces. Poverty is, defining, is a defining issue in the quest to build a better world. Most political systems claim the idea that their system alone can create a better world, although if that were true, surely poverty wouldn't be in such abundance in our society today. So, what have we achieved? In an otherwise wealthy, prosperous, democratic society, it is not enough to just shrug and say our system is better than any others. A piece of this puzzle could be our individual and collective psychological freedom. Wanting more is a social phenomenon of our time or a reflection of the way we live. There's a difference between a want and a need, yet we find it's something that is seldom a recognized ph phenomenon. In our unconscious behavior, we do not notice that wanting more often precedes our emotions or actions. When we, want, when we start wanting more as a way to measure our self-worth and determine our values, we fall prey to what is known as in Buddhism as the wanting mind. This wanting is driven by desire, aversion, and anxiety. It creates an illusion of control. Someone who is not keeping score or not looking to be richer and who is not afraid of losing, who has not let wanting more unduly influence them, that person is free. How far are we from being free? And so that takes us to psychological freedom and humanism. And humanistic psychology is based on an approach that embraces freedom of choice, creativity, and self-awareness. It was primarily a recent influence by the work of psychologists Carl Rogers and Abraham Maslow. And you may recognize Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs theory. 
which you know really ties into this information so they believed there was a need for a positive uplifting view that focused on human potential rather than human dysfunction so the new humanistic psychological view is based on the power you have over your own fate rather than the ways in which your unconscious memories or conditioning influence your behavior. Even if your brain is conditioned and your unconscious memories have affected your behavior, humanistic psychology says you are free to choose something different now. Once you realize this, your brain creates new neurologic neur neural pathways which would open up to seeing new possibilities in their life. With a natural drive to achieve personal growth and self-development, one is free to develop a more complex and evolved version of themselves and their life. Each need on Maslow's pyramid must be fulfilled before someone can progress to the next level of self-actualization. Self-actualization is the highest aspiration on the pyramid and ultimate goal of the individual, according to Maslow. Similarly, humanistic psychology is designed to help the client achieve self-actualization. Now, to be truly free, then, can be defined as the exertion of the power each individual has to consciously and independent, independently choose from a pertinent bundle of possibilities at his or her disposal. You might not be free from financial constraints or illness, but you are free to see that it's possible to do something by gaining knowledge and information we can share to change the situation. Let me say that again. You might not be free from financial constraint or illness, but you are free to see that it is possible to do something by gaining knowledge and information we can share to change the situation. Let's change the narrative. Because from knowledge sprouts power. And we can have acceptance through enlightenment. The ability to be free lies not in the capacity to say yes to everything, but to say yes only to that which really matters to you and that you decided is beneficial for you and everyone else. So, pay attention to your thoughts and beliefs. When they come up, ask yourself if they are really true. Let go of attachment to your thoughts and convictions. Find instances where they are not true. Look for both. Ask yourself, what is another perspective to see this situation from? Ask yourself, what are your choices? And find several of them. Educate yourself where necessary and feel in your body what is more true for you. An attribute to work on is building your self-worth. To be able to say, I am enough, in order to feel and revel in being psychologically free. All people have had a past and that conditioned them in, in some way. And all people have had memories that remain unconscious to them that are, and are still affecting them in some way also. And even so, all people are also free to choose from various possibilities 
a more beneficial perspective or path that could improve their lives and other people's lives as well. What do you choose? Where do you decide or where do you choose to influence a difference, influence a change? Where are you going to start? Because ultimately, you can decide if you are free. This is the sound of Little Kirk, Mr. Kirk Davis. As we kick off musical therapy, this track is called Can't Hold I Down. As we close out tonight's real talk on the night shift with DJ Kevin Steele, I want to thank you once again for tuning in, for locking in, for sharing. I want to say thank you to my segment sponsor, McNeil Trucking. With McNeil Trucking, you're in good hands for all your moving needs. Give them a call, 954-406-9740. Tell them you heard about them on the night shift with DJ Kevin Steele. I do want to thank you again and, th- and say thanks to my affiliates, the Foundation Radio Network, ClintonLindsay.com, NIE Radio, PEMGTV.com, and each and every one of you who are locked in tonight, or who is locked in tonight, Queen's English, truly appreciate love you. As you... Head into this strong end. Remember, there's a Saturday stew this weekend. I haven't been on for a while, you know. It's 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 way overdue. Yeah, man, I come back and hang out with you on Saturday in the Saturday stew music show on ReggaeGlobalRadio.com. Do remember to look out for most of your community as you go about your day. Whether you walk, ride, or drive, remember your community is not just the development that you, li- you live in, but it spreads far and wide. So if you take the boat to the plane, the boat or the train, the people you pass along the way, these are members of your community. Do something good for one of them today because you never know who's going to do something good for you tomorrow. Be good. If you can't be good, be good at it. My name is DJ Kevin Stewart. So I like to do it to you, for you, and with you. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Catch you on Saturday for the Saturday Stew. And if I don't or I can't, take care until we meet up again. Blessings to you. Good morning, good afternoon, good day to you wherever you are in the world from right here in South Florida. I bid you all a good night. Greetings and salutations. This is DJ Kevin Stew inviting you to bubble up and simmer down with me in the Saturday Stew right here on Reggae Global Radio. Get ready for the special segment called The Secret Ingredient, where you may hear from your favorite artist or producer. Saturday Stew happens every Saturday 
at 8 p.m. Eastern Time exclusively on ReggaeGlobalRadio.com, where we get high on reggae. Greetings and salutations, one and all. You're invited to tune in to the night shift with DJ Kevin Stew. It airs on Mondays with Community and Finance, Tuesdays with Healthy Love, and Wednesdays with Real Talk from 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time. Come spend some time interacting in the stew pot where we keep things bubbling and wind down in musical therapy. The Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew is on kevinstew.com where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment. <laughs> 